Well, what happened in Italy this morning? Uh, And the test selection debate picks up on the splash today. It's Tuesday, the 14th of November. Welcome in to the splash. I'm your host, Phil Pryor. Uh, And as I mentioned off the top, cricket and football on the splash this morning. Uh, We're going to discuss some of the selection conundrums going on for the Aussie test team ahead of the Ashes with Brett Jeeves uh, a little later in today's uh, episode. Uh, But first things first, I think we need to discuss what the hell happened in Italy this morning. What's going on? Exactly. Joining me to do that is Kate Cohen of the Fox football team. Welcome to The Splash. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Dear, oh dear. So, Kate... Uh, please defend international football for me first. Uh, for uh, well, not for me, but the last five hundred odd minutes of World Cup qualifiers have gone scoreless. Five hundred single goal in six <laughs> World Cup qualifiers, and I've had the privilege of watching all six from start to finish. Yeah. But when you get games like this morning's game, Italy Sweden, mm. it was a nil all, but there was so much drama. Yeah. Three or four clear penalty shouts. Um, the passion and the emotion of the fans and the players, and then even just the elation of Sweden when they when they qualified for the World Cup by knocking out Italy, which is almost incomprehensible considering Italy mm. are four times. World champions, um, they're mm. a powerhouse in, in the game. Um, it's a huge result, and whether there are goals or not, there is emotion. So it's great, great action this morning um, in the World Cup qualifying. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for the first time since 1958, 60 years, uh, it's the first time Italy have missed out on qualifying for the World Cup finals. You are in this morning uh, nice and early to make sure all the updates were on the website, as you said, plenty of chances, um, but but a little bit of, of a game for. I know it was a nil all draw, but for the purists, there was something to enjoy in in the way that uh, the Swedish, uh, you know, held on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was like one of those old school four four twos, and they just defended with defended for their lives. And there were some great quotes from from the Swedish coach coming out before uh, after the match, saying that they were hanging on for dear lives. They had no more legs. Um, they had no more substitutes left. Um, Italy were the technical, uh, technically the better side, and they were fantastic. But the desperation of Sweden paid off. Mm. The the goalkeeper made a couple of really good saves. The refereeing decisions help, but at the end of the day, Italy weren't good enough to to score over 180 minutes. So they mm. go out in uh, incredible fashion. Yeah, and the uh, the fall up, uh, the, sorry, the fall out uh, has started in extraordinary fashion already. Uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. For us. So immediately post game, we saw Gianluigi Buffon, the legendary goalkeeper, who will go down as perhaps the best ever goalkeeper in world football. Mm. Played 175 times for Italy, and of course, it was confirmed before this match that the World Cup cycle, when it ended, would be. Gianluigi Buffon's last for Italy and unfortunately they didn't reach the World Cup which means that he's all out for 175 Um, then there's uh, Andrea Barzagli as well has announced his retirement as has Daniela De Rossi there's still question marks over whether players like Chiellini will continue on 
that they are an aging um, team, Italy. So for the first leg when they played Sweden in Sweden, seven of their starting 11 were over the age of 30. So they are an old team. And this just might be the decision where players uh, call, call it quits. Um, some might continue on through to the next Euros, but there will be a lot of fallout and Already there's talk over mm. whether or not the coach actually has resigned. So initial reports came out to suggest that uh, Ventura had resigned, but mm-hmm. in his post-match press conference with the media, he said he needs some more time to reflect and to speak to the Federation before he makes a decision. But that it seems completely untenable for the, for the coach to continue after not qualifying them for the World Cup. He was already under pressure after they lost 3-0 to Spain, and now they've officially been knocked out in that playoff, uh, playoff stage to reach the World Cup. So the, the, the coach's future is all but decided. It's just a formality now. And there was drama uh, in the locker room even, even before this game kicked off. What, 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 what's going on? Well, there's some question marks over the selection decisions of Ventura. So they had on the bench Lorenzo Insigni, who's a, a quality player for, for Napoli, and he didn't make the field in in Milan for this game when Italy were really chasing goals. Um, they needed an attacker to come on, and there's a great bit of vision that's come through the Italian coverage of the match where Daniela De Rossi, a, a defensive midfielder, was asked to warm up, and, and he yelled at the assistant coach who was asking him to warm up and, and refused to go and was saying why do you want me you should put on this guy and then he was pointing to Insigne um so yeah there's going to be plenty of fallout already some really explosive quotes coming from De Rossi saying that they were technically tactically and and physically not up to reaching a world cup um so he's gone out with a bang in uh Mm. in what proved to be he didn't get on the field but it's proved to be his last involvement with the Italian national team there's plenty more to come out of this Italy um fallout Stay tuned. Head to the Fox Football part of the website for all of the updates throughout the day on that. Uh, Kate, uh, your quick take before we move on to the other remaining World Cup qualifiers, um, just to sort of you know piece together where we're at. What do Italy have missed out? Uh, the Netherlands have missed out. What's that say about uh, international football? Can we read anything into that? The yeah. two you know world class teams won't yeah, be there. Yeah, there's some. Major teams who have missed out. Obviously, we remember the the United States didn't make it mm. through to the through the Concacaf Confederation, and we've got Chile as well from South America. The South American champions didn't make it, yeah. and even uh, in the uh, African Confederation, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, these are mm. huge nations who haven't qualified. So it shows that the depth in international football is really there, and yeah. the fact that these superpowers and continental champions can just not qualify for the pinnacle of world football, it, it really is telling, and it also says something about. Um, for for Australians and, and Socceroos fans, the fact that all across the world the, these confederations are, are growing in depth and strength. So it's not a given anymore that the, the these traditional superpowers just automatically make it. It's a mm. difficult task. Even in Europe where they have the most spots to reach the World Cup, it's still very tricky and you see a lot of big nations who struggle to to make it to the to the World Cup, to the final 32. And yep. ultimately Italy and Netherlands are the two big ones who who were eliminated from Europe, but across the world there are some big nations who didn't make it. It's it really demonstrates the the growing depth of world football. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and just quickly before we let you go, Kate, the remaining games. So we have uh, we have more action in Europe tomorrow morning. Uh, Ireland v Denmark. Where's that? Uh, that currently stands at nil all. So the first leg uh, was was scoreless. That was one of those six games without <laughs> a goal. So Ireland are, are quite a defensive team, and they'll look to counter attack. And and, and Denmark, um, without 
Christian or besides Christian Eriksen, they don't have a lot of uh, attacking creativity. So that could be another tight, tense game. But when there's a World Cup spot on the line, there will always be drama. So that will decide the final um, European uh, team to qualify for the World Cup. And then we've still got two more intercontinental yeah. playoffs. Obviously, we have the Socceroos yep. tomorrow night against Honduras, which stands at nil all after the first leg. So a goal for Australia or a win for Australia will see them through, but a score draw will see Honduras through. And then yeah. the the final spot will be between New Zealand and Peru in Peru. Again, nil all after the first leg. That will be a tricky task for New Zealand. They're 122 in the world against Peru, a top 10 nation. But there's question marks over New Zealand's striker as well, Chris Wood, um, and Peru are without their main number nine as well. So there's plenty of different subplots and there are three spots left mm. to qualify for Russia. So, yeah, there'll be plenty more football to come. Ireland, Denmark, 6.30am Australian uh Eastern Daylight Time tomorrow. Australian Honduras, 8pm Wednesday evening in Sydney. Uh, and New Zealand, Peru, is that one in New Zealand? That one is in Peru. So that's in actually Peru. a great kickoff time for us Aussie fans. That means we'll get to watch that action at about lunchtime. It's at about 1.15pm mm. okay. Thursday afternoon. So it's a great kickoff time for everyone to follow on the Fox Football website. Awesome. Thanks for joining the Splash, Kate. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> Yeah, very interesting what's happened over in uh, Italy this morning. Uh, but it's time to return home uh, and call in Brett Jeeves, who is uh, at his humble home down in Tassie today, I believe, Brett. Yeah, day off for me today. I was up uh, late last night preparing a piece for uh, for my mad cricket editor, Joe Barton. Um, <laughs> so I think that that was, that was getting up this morning. But um, yeah, it's... it's been an interesting little period, obviously, heading into the Ashes and um, a lot of noise around selections. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, based based around the you know the first few rounds of the Shield season and blokes not performing and some are and you know we're, we're seeing some potential smokies. If anyone scores more than forty five, they're an Ashes bolter. <laughs> um, but what uh, what surprised me most was. Um, the words of Justin Langer, who's really who's really come pretty hard for Matt Renshaw, um, you know, and made it quite clear that he feels that that, that Renshaw is under pressure from a couple of performing Western Australians, and I just get a bit concerned around the contradiction in in message that we get from cricket at the moment. So I mean, you know, so it was worth example, it was worth writing about. It was worth writing about, yeah. yeah. I mean, so you know, can, can you elaborate? Uh, Langer's, what, yeah, tell us what uh, Langer said and uh, and and where you, um, you know, take offence to that. Yeah, I mean, Langer's, um, yeah, as I said, pretty much um, lumped pressure on on Renshaw through the you know and 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 voiced uh, the fact that Bancroft and and Sean Marsh are uh, are coming for him, you know, in in particular Marsh. Uh, they labelled him Superman, um, you know. But it's to me, it's just this 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 huge message where uh, Sean Marsh is one year younger than Ed Cowan, and Ed Cowan's been shot dead at the back, um, fed to the dogs, career over. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's you know, scoring more domestic runs than Sean Marsh. Yet for some reason, uh, Marsh is still in the frame. It, it, it kind of, I think, it confuses. Everyone who's sort of you know an outside observer watching on, going, well, hang on, where's where's quality in this? There's got to be some form of 
back back scratching agenda here that 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 we're not quite sure of. Yeah, it's probably something that um, that isn't really sort of spoken about enough. Is that Sean Marsh is only one year younger than Ed Cowan, and and some of these guys are too old. Yet, um, you know, Sean Marsh obviously stays in the in the selection frame. Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope it isn't. You know, it isn't. It isn't based on types of. Um, favoritism that of the peers you know i mean it's, it's it's really easy to make the connection that uh obviously sean is brother of mitch and son of jeff who uh coached the country and um obviously played a obviously played a uh a lot of cricket for the country as well you know but but again it's the it's the messaging that it sends to to the public that you know we're going to join that dot you know there, there is there is really no other explanation for it. You know, the, 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 there's been no other messaging for it. There's been no other reason for it. Um, so, I mean, largely it comes down to just a, a, you know, a real lack of communication from, from Cricket Australia and, and, and key people around why Sean Marsh is still in the mix and why Ed Cowan, George Bailey, Cameron White, um, those two in particular around their white ball performances uh, are no longer being, being looked at um, for Australia. Yeah, it's certainly uh, an interesting one. Um, obviously, you're you're a supporter of uh, of keeping uh, Matt Matt Renshaw in the uh, in that opening spot. He's done a great job for Australia. He looks very sound. He values his wicket probably more so than any other player in the Australian batting lineup. Despite his obviously very lean and green uh, start to to this summer domestically. Yeah, I mean, I think we forget that he's 21, you know, mm. because he is a big hulking kid. Um, you know, I think that we allow that to, you know, to kind of um, sway us in our opinion of of kind of where he's at. I mean, he's, he's still he's still quite a green player. Um, you know, he's still learning the game, and yeah. I think that he's been able to come into the Australian team. He averages 36, um, coming off a uh, bulk of Test matches on the subcontinent. Uh, which isn't easy, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and that's and that's been proven for a lot of for a lot of Australian cricketers. Um, so I mean, he's certainly not on his own there, but um, his game's really well suited to uh, to Australian conditions. We saw that um, against Pakistan. You know, his last Test match in Australia um, uh, against Pakistan was 184. And 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 what surprises me most about that is that. Um, a lot of the commentary around that innings was that it was too slow. It was almost selfish. It was it was placing too much pressure on um, on the other partner in the in the batting partnership to be scoring constantly. I, I, I don't understand that. It's something that completely confuses me. It's a five day test match. Um, we yeah. very rarely see a draw in the modern game, um, and uh, I'm 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 lost on it. Thirty not out at lunch is okay on the first day of a test match. That's yeah. fine. Having you know it just I can remember when, you know, talking about Ed Cowan, Eddie, um, I think was 24 or 25, not out at lunch, um, Boxing Day test on debut, and Ian Healy's uh, giving him a, a right raw dressing down as they as they go to the break, you know, because he's too slow. It, yeah. I just can't get my head around that. I'm, I'm, I'm lost on it. So there, there just seems to be some really inconsistent messages at, at the moment um, from from people who are in and around the system. And, and whilst Justin Lang is a state coach, and has an obligation to to push the cause of his players. Um, he also has roles within Cricket Australia. I mean, he's the you know he's stepped in and been the T20 coach uh, to replace Darren Lehman. He's been a batting consultant, mentor, and coach 
uh, of Australia. Yeah, I, I think that there needs to be an asterisk put put next to any Justin Langer quote because he holds uh, so many roles. One of them being for cricket Australia. Yeah, too many hats. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Uh, look, quickly, let's get your take, Jeevesy, um, on uh, on the number six spot and the wicket keeper spot. Uh, speaking to cricket editor uh, Joe Barton this morning, he thinks that you or I have just as much chance of keeping in this first test at the Gabba as Matthew Wade does. Um, so, you know, ruling him out, who do you think should, should be the... And, and that's for poor form and, and just... Um, you know his talent as a out and out gloveman. Um, yeah. So who who should be keeping for Australia in the first test? Well, it's funny that uh, lead editor Joe's changed his tune very quickly. There was a we we had a Fox Sports selection uh, podcast run by Tom Morrison, yeah. uh, and and that was only three days ago, I think. And Joe <laughs> uh, led the charge with Matty Wade, so he's uh, yeah. He's the main point, him like a hot spot. I know the main point being that no one's. Um, you know, sort of up and no one's banging down the door to replace him necessarily. But we are seeing um, runs from Cam Bancroft, albeit he's not yep. he's not a pure gloveman. Um, oh, it, look, I, mean, your... I, think, I think his glove work is yeah. I'd be I'd be picking Cam Bancroft. Um, he's been uh, scoring numbers for that for that number seven position yep. um, and to keep as well. I mean, it's not it's not the subcontinent the. The conditions in Australia for, for wicket-keeping are good. You know, it's really good visibility. The ball carries, um, you know, uh, he's keeping for his shield team um, and, and doing and doing a great job. You know, he's much improved. Everyone around the system is saying that, um, you know, and, and he works hard. You know, I mean, the thing about his performances at the moment in shield cricket is that he's opening the batting and wicket-keeping. Um, you know, so he's been involved over the last two shield games, pretty much every ball of the game so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been truly remarkable. Um, so you know, it's, it's a sign that endurance wise and, and mentally, um, he's prepared and ready. Um, and I think having you know I mean, the other thing strategically is that having an, an, a, a, a true opening batter at that number seven spot, um, it also. Uh, it almost gives you a um, a double dip when the new ball comes as well. You know, you think about how many times those last three or four wickets get taken really quickly when the new ball is taken. Um, if the batting team does happen to make it through to the to the 80th over, having a genuine opening batter be able to get through that period, mm. um, I think is a really good thing for us as well. So um, I'd be I'd be picking him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then in in terms of number six, I think Glenn Maxwell would be unlucky not uh, not to hold his spot purely from the fact that all his test matches have, have come on the, on the subcontinent. Um, you know, his game again is really well suited to the to the clean bouncing ways of, of Australian wickets. No real spin. Um, he can just trust his eye and 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 hit through the line. So I think that uh, he'll probably start. But the guy that I would love to see get another go is Callum Ferguson. I, I just think he's a, he's a pure batter. You know, his yeah. domestic record's been really strong for a long period of time. He's got a real weight of runs behind him. Much like Cowan, he's one of those players that seems to be maturing year after year and, and, and actually getting better the, the older that he gets. And and that's okay. You know, <laughs> we shouldn't be casting guys aside for actually getting a good feel for their game and, and improving. It takes them to the age of 32, 33, uh, and we pick him then brilliant. You know, it worked pretty well for Hussey and Rogers and Kadic and, you know, the, these, these types of guys. So Yeah, the thing is, though, he just doesn't have that last name, nor does he have that... 
uh, you know, that uh, future potential. <laughs> well, yeah, I, they're, they're your words. I was purely <laughs> speculating around the last name thing, but I mean, I just, I just honestly hope that you know that that cricket's matured to the point where. You know, we're actually beyond all this nonsense of, you know, my dad did this and, um, you know, it's junior level cricket stuff, um, you know, guys getting picked, you know, and, and, and getting an extended run because of long-standing family connection. I truly hope that that's not the case. But as I Me said, too. you know, we, as, a, as, a, as an outsider, um, we don't have much else to go on because there's been no messaging around, you know, Marsh v. Cowan, 34, 35. Why is 34 okay, but 35 is not? You know, someone needs to come out and clearly state what the cutoff line is, what the criteria is, uh, and pretty much why Ed Cowan is, is out on his ear. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, uh, and, and I, I tip my hat to you for, uh, you know, as a columnist, doing your absolute best to, to, to give things a shake-up right at the, the top of uh, Cricket Australia. Um, and and hopefully uh, that does cause some some positive change over time, or at least as you say, wouldn't it be nice for someone at Cricket Australia to come out publicly and just explain to all the fans uh, right around Australia how selection actually happens, um, you know, mm. and uh, and clarifies a few things because I'm I'm totally with you. You know, it it sounds simple enough. Pick your best players, uh, but it, that's just not. What we what we're seeing time and time again with selection, yeah, yeah, mixed mixed with complete inequality um, yeah. across the board. So it's 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 a, it's a really strange um, it's a really strange happening at the moment. And, and and hopefully at some stage we're actually able to work through it because um, you know I, I honestly think it's going to get to the stage where we're going to see an Ed Count situation uh, end up in the courts. There'll be some sort of workplace. Uh, safety report, or probably not a safety report, uh, but no, yeah, I, um, I, I was yeah, literally given, about, I, I was literally about to to bring up the name given, Colin Kaepernick, yeah, and, and I, I know mean, that given, that's given the nature of this, yeah, yeah, and and we're talking completely different social issues here. I I totally understand that, but he's uh, he's currently taking um, NFL owners to court um, for not being given another chance in the in the NFL because he came out strongly with his political views in taking a kneel during anthems last season and causing a lot of uh, a lot of controversy over in the states uh, and NFL owners you know that they don't want to uh, invest in a in a player that um, you know that that's uh, not towing the company line essentially and you know Ed Cowan he's also quite out there with some of his um, his political views yeah definitely and, and yeah I mean it, it was almost timely that you know that Ed was was really honest I think on on Fox's uh, show Bill and Boz uh, around some of the some of the headaches in selection mm. um, and uh, you know and then two days later <laughs> I think it might have been he was he was dropped from the shield team yeah. um, having been the most um, like coming off a career year being the Steve War medalist and, and being the most um, the most successful batsman in domestic cricket since season 14-15 so um, you know it's it is it is a bit of a problem at the moment. As I said, hopefully moving forward, you know, we're able to work work through because you know I truly believe that someone will will, will hire a good lawyer, um, and uh, and we'll actually see this turn really really ugly. Stay tuned. Well, not this situation, but a situation like this. Yeah, yeah. Stay yeah. tuned and keep fighting the good fight, uh, Jeevesy. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's easy. You know, I mean, you can't lose what you don't have. So, um, <laughs> if you don't have any friends, then you've got nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks for joining the splash, mate. Cheers, Phil. Thanks. Uh, he's an absolute character, Jeevesy. Never short of uh, of an opinion, too. Head to the Fox Sports website for his full column today on uh, on Justin Langer's uh, selection thoughts. Uh, and a bit more as well. Uh, always, always a good read, whether or not you agree with his stuff. Uh, look, I, I, I'll uh, be the first to admit... I don't agree with everything he says, but um, but at least he's not short of providing his say on any given matter. Uh, and that'll do us on the splash on this Tuesday. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, and that's a wrap.